The Pat Kenny Show with Matter Private Network on News Talk. Now, with many of us having a keen eye on women's soccer at the moment due to the World Cup action taking place down under, one challenge for women players is tearing the anterior cruciate ligament. Uh, The injury, which can be tediously hard to recover from, has uh, had many high-profile players have having to sit out competition. So why do more women than men actually fall prey to this injury? Joining me now is Dr Dan Horan, Chartered Physiotherapist and previous Head of Research for the Football Association of Ireland, who's been looking into this. Dan, good morning and welcome. Thank you, Pat. Now, uh, the the question, men get it, we know, famously, you know, people like Roy Keane come down with the cruciate uh, ligament injury, so the knee is vulnerable in all twisting and turning sports. But it seems women are more prone to it. Why? Yeah, I think that's a good question, something that we've been looking at for a long time in, in women's football. There is some evidence in adolescent females, female uh, players that their jumping and landing mechanics are different to male players. That's been studied over a long time in the United States. Um, so their hip and knee positions are slightly different when they land. This is a modifiable risk factor, though. So there's good evidence that injury prevention exercise programs can affect that positively, so it can reduce the incidence rate. But you, of you those jump injuries. naturally. Do you know you can't probably change your technique of lepping up to head a ball or catch a ball in Gaelic football. So what do you do? Do you have to build up specific muscles for yeah, protection? Yeah. So so jumping and landing mechanics can be improved. So as you say, people learn how to jump, but they can address how they move, body position when they're jumping, body position when they're landing can be worked on. So. And certain muscles are more effective than other muscles with regard to controlling those landing positions. So that is something that has been proven to be very effective in research in Scandinavia in particular and the United States. So you <coughs> think you can improve technique and reduce the likelihood of injury. But it is, uh, a, you know, the stat that women are more likely to suffer from this than men is a fact. Yes, it is a fact. Yeah. So probably three to four times more likely to experience this injury. But I suppose what we need to put in some context here, it's still an uncommon injury in women's football. So, you know, there's a lot of media attention now with regard to this injury. But we undertook a two season injury surveillance study in the Women's National League in Ireland in 2018 and 2019. And it wasn't one of the most common injuries. So, you know, to put in some context, yeah. ankle ligament injuries are five times more common. Okay, now, injuries are four, uh, four the times recovery more time in the I ankle. That, I think that's the point. That yeah. is the point. The burden of this injury is the biggest problem. Yeah. So this injury keeps players out of action in our research for approximately 250 days. And wow. the, the big challenge then is that players who have had one of these injuries are more likely to have a second one. And the onset of early onset arthritic change in the joint is also an issue that, you know, players unfortunately are facing that. So I think the conversation now is changing a little bit away from exclusively focusing on the the biology of females and now looking at the environment that they inhabit when they're growing up. So we need to look at what girls and adolescent girls are, are getting access to in comparison to males growing up. So what I'm saying specifically is, are they getting the same quality of coaching? Are they getting the same access to facilities? Is the medical care as good? Are they getting strength and conditioning input at the right age group okay, so, with so the right expertise? A lot of lads <coughs> just naturally do it. They're, they're involved in all sorts of sports. Yes. So even though they might not have a formal programme of strength and conditioning, they're actually doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. 
and maybe there isn't as, uh, enough sporting activity for girls from the, the earliest stages in school. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is what people are now looking at more so than just the biology. Are the opportunity the same for girls? Are they getting the same experiences that boys are getting? So when we look at that jumping and landing mechanics in adolescence, is that because it's something that's inherent bi- biologically or is it because they weren't getting exposed to the same activity yeah. levels? Now, you say 250 days. Is there any way to shorten that recovery period or is it just that is what the body takes? Yeah, I don't think it's really a race to try to do it as quickly as possible. So, you know, maybe 15 years ago, there was that idea that, well, can we do it quicker? But now we follow what's referred to as a criterion-based return to play. So you're trying to, you know, restore equal muscle strength left versus right, for example, trying to get symmetry and make sure yeah. the players have gone through, a, you know, a comprehensive rehabilitation because protocol. Because the other <coughs> leg is taken, uh, doing all the hard work while you've got the injured leg. Yes. So therefore there may be an imbalance in strength if you don't work on balancing Absolutely. it all. And I think that's the point here. When you talk about return to play, one of the challenges in women's football and, and top level women's football is they don't have access to the same medical care, the same strength and conditioning input that their male, uh, you know, equivalents have access to. So, you know, a big part of our research in the Women's National League here was we interviewed 17 of the players in the league. We interviewed seven of the head coaches and eight of the medical personnel looking at what they were getting access to. And it was nothing like what the equivalent male League of Ireland players were getting access to. And similarly, there's research internationally. FIFA have published benchmarking reports in 30 top tier female nations over the last couple of years. And there are major gaps, not just in Ireland, but around all of these top tier countries with regard to medical input, strength and conditioning input. And it happens from adolescence onwards. Now, you mentioned ankle uh, ligament ligament injuries, which Mm -hmm. are troublesome to to fix as well. And often people who've had that injury feel very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe they don't play with as much vigour as they did before because they don't want to do the ankle again. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about that as a repetitive injury? Yeah, so recurrent ankle injuries and chronic ankle instability, which can, you know, happen as a result of getting two or three of these types of injuries. That is a big issue in women's football as well and in men's football. And I think that comes down to the quality of rehabilitation after that first injury. And that's where medical care is critical. And, you know, Mm. unfortunately at the moment, our top level female players at club level don't always have medical staff at every training session. And this is, you know, there can be gaps then in the the sort of rehabilitation process. Now, you worked for the FAI and uh, therefore soccer is the game that you majored on in in this uh, regard. But talking to Ashling O'Reilly about uh, GAA and she is a player herself and she says there's an epidemic of ACL injuries uh, that she is familiar with in her club and in other clubs. And anecdotally, she said that uh, women report that they're more likely to have had an ACL injury during their period when they're menstruating, Um, which I find very interesting because a few weeks ago we did an item about menstruation and women's sport. And one of the extraordinary things that came out of that debate was that women who are menstruating have much more energy than when they're not menstruating. And I could speculate that maybe they actually go harder at the game when they're menstruating than they might at another time and therefore more likely to injure themselves. Yeah, again, that's a hypothesis. And at the moment, we just don't have the evidence to support that. You know, But what is happening right now is FIFA and UEFA, the governing bodies in the game, are 
putting a lot more money into researching this area in particular because there is anecdotal evidence, as you said, players reporting that they felt that they were more vulnerable during their periods. At the moment, it looks like it's more on a case-by-case basis. So different players report different energy levels. And I think what's really important is players are tracking their periods, that coaching staff have open lines of communication with players, that there's, you know, collaboration between players, medical staff and coaching staff with regard to how individual players are responding during their periods. Yeah. Now, uh, at the high level, presumably the the women get all the the, the help, you know, the international team and uh, club (coughs) teams in the UK where many of the Irish girls play. Um, It's at the lower levels. And you imagine someone who's just enjoying their competitive soccer Mm. and they get one of these injuries. It's possible they'll be knocked out of the sport entirely. They just lose contact with it. When you're out for almost a year, that can happen. Absolutely. And look, there's a huge emotional toll to this injury because of the length of time that they're out for and the fear that they may have a second one. And obviously we know that it's not just on the injured knee, on the other knee as well, they're more vulnerable. So yes, the quality of rehabilitation after that, you know, first ACL tear is critical. Um, and But I think there is good evidence that even at the recreational level, if players follow injury prevention exercise programmes, specifically with strength exercises, jumping and landing exercises and yeah. balance exercises, then they can be significantly reduce the risk. A couple of uh, questions and comments here from John. Does the fact that men have naturally more muscle mass mean they are less prone to the injury. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's that potential that that they have naturally more muscle mass, but that can be developed. And we've seen by developing increased muscle mass, increased strength in females, increased power output, better control, better balance, more stability on landing that they can reduce the risks significantly. And these risks, I mean, you don't uh, hear about, say, a sprinter um, you know, pulling out because they have an ACL. You, mm. They pull out because of a hamstring or mm-hmm. something like that. So it is the nature of the sport, the twisting, the turning. Yes, it's the decelerations very often. So there have been analyses done of these injuries in female professional players and video analysis looking at the mechanism of injury. And I think there's a perfect storm at the moment a little bit in women's football in the sense that the physical demands of the game at the top level have increased spectacularly over the last seven or eight years. So when we look at the running speeds the players are getting through in matches and international level between between 2015 World Cup and 2019 World Cup, the distances covered at the highest speed zone increased by 30%. We'd expect similar increases in this World Cup. Now, if you have those big increase in physical demands without the strength and power development going on at the same time, when players have to slow themselves down and control themselves in defensive actions in particular, they can be vulnerable. So I think that's where the support systems are critical for female players. They need the medical staff and strength and conditioning input. Yeah, the knee is an extraordinary thing. I mean, when you've got a dodgy knee, uh, whether it's age, wear and tear, going up the stairs is fine. It's coming down is the problem, (laughs) you know. Yeah, so look, it's a joint that's so important for everything, for day-to-day living. It's a massive important joint and you know for controlling changing direction jumping landing it's hugely important for for all footballers. Another interesting comment in relation to ACL injuries is the fact that adolescents particularly females don't cycle as much anymore is that a factor when we were teenagers we were on the road morning noon and night on bikes cycling to shops to friends and to neighbours Yeah, again, we don't know. What we do know is that in Ireland and internationally, children are are not reaching their minimum physical activity guidelines from the World Health Organization in general. So we know that there's a massive deficit there, but we don't know whether it's specifically due to cycling, but we know more physical activity than less is better for everyone. Yeah, another one. uh, There are lots of women who play hockey and rugby. Do those sports not have data on this? Could all sporting bodies not collaborate and maybe get the true picture? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think 
the research in women's sport in general has been very poor over the last 30 years and that's why there's been a call to action to improve it. So there will be future collaborations but the quality of research in women's sport and women's football in particular hasn't been good enough and it will be improving. Now this is a very interesting whether or not it has application to humankind I don't know but on the WhatsApp um ACLs went on both legs of my golden lab stroke retriever, an ex-service dog. She's too old for operations. We got her back to 100% with slow, gentle exercise, turmeric, golden paste, glucosamine and homeopathic remedies. She's the living proof, three years on, that these alternatives are powerful. She's turning 12 years old next month, so happy birthday to Gertie. So there, are there other ways? Yeah, well, I think I'd probably have to see the, the evidence to support that. It's difficult. I think that sounds like an anecdotal one. But, you know, if, if, if that has been successful, but I don't think we could roll that out as a policy. Perhaps we'll have to organise a play date with Gertie for you, Dan. <laughs> Dr. Dan Horan, Chartered Physiotherapist and previous Head of Research at the Football Association of Ireland. Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.